revelations that former Vice President Mike Pence has classified documents now. Well, the National Archives has asked all former U.S. Presidents and Vice Presidents to recheck their personal records. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer on that story and the debt ceiling implications on coming up on one year anniversary on Russia's attack against Ukraine. And then former director of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Tom Holman, calls out Mayorkas policies and the letter from 77 Democrats criticizing Biden on his immigration policies. And then National Police Association spokesperson, Sergeant Betsy Smith, on the video release coming out of Memphis. An explosive talk that'll set the record straight. It's all next on Viewpoint This Sunday. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, and uh, top of the news, my fellow Americans, we'll start with these classified documents. I was a bit shocked, I don't know about you, to see Mike Pence come out and say, oh, look over here, I got some as well. And of course, that created a, a, an effect here that everybody's now looking in their desk drawers, if you will, to see what they got for classified documents. My guess is that a lot of people have these throughout Congress and uh, others uh, more than you realize. We'll, we'll start with the top news here. Welcome on Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer joins us. Uh, Tony's the president of the London Center for Policy Research, a CIA-trained intelligence operations officer, and uh, one of the best political voices out there. Tony, welcome on to Viewpoint, sir. Malcolm, always great to join you. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. All right. So let's talk about these uh, documents. Now, I was surprised yeah. to see Pence come out. And I, I just got to like, why, what was the motivation for him to do that? It kind of took it cut the legs right off of what was happening with Biden at that point. What, what was the motivation of that? I, I think Pence is part of the model party. I think uh, probably <laughs> he's, he's the guy that uh, you can t- turn to reliably to distract what's really going on. And I think someone went to him and said, hey, you know, uh, maybe it'd be good for balance that you say something too to get the heat off Joe Biden. I think I think that he was asked to do it because I think uh, any one of those senior guys probably has documents to your point stuck somewhere right. that they kept and they shouldn't have. So I think yeah. it's way more common than they're talking about it. A guy named John Deutsch, uh, former director of CIA, actually uh, was uh, prosecuted for this back in I think it was the nineties. So you know this is not this is not the first time this has happened. But yeah, I think Pence coming forward at the time he did, was a convenient way of saying, see, the Republicans do it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, I wasn't sure how you'd respond to that, and uh, but I, I think you have the same sentiments and, as I yeah. do. I, I really didn't understand what, what the motivation of Pence was. Now, he says, and, and I quote here, he says, those classified documents should not have been in my personal residence. I mean, mistakes were made, and I take full responsibility, and I direct my counsel to work with the National Archives. It seems to me, Tony, I don't know, and you nailed it pretty well there, but with Pence, I always get a sense or a feeling like he's like the little engine that could, like he can't try hard enough to make a point 
and to prove something like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the right thing, people. I'm just, I'm going along. I'm getting along here. I'm, you know, I don't know. It, it's something about this that really rubs me the wrong way with Pence, you know? This may, I may regret saying this eventually, but he's more of a, a, a more photogenic Dan Quayle character, if you will. Yeah. So I'm yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. I mean, uh, Dan Quayle was kind of milquetoast. He's, yeah. just, he's just not the most dynamic guy. Yeah, no, that's a, probably a good way to put it, actually, in a description. In fact, uh, Quayle was one of the guys who uh, uh, just got a letter from the National Archives, in fact. Now, they're going after past U.S. presidents, vice presidents, rechecking for the documents. Everybody's now looking in their, their uh, I guess, their drawers, whatever, to see death drawers to see what they got for classified Stock documents. Stock drawers, according to... Yeah, yeah, I guess oh, oh, worker, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, listen, I, I, I'm really venture to say, and I, I hadn't discussed it with you before, but I, I'm willing to bet, uh, you know, when it comes to a lot of these, not just presidents and vice presidents, but I'm willing to bet there's a lot of classified documents in places that they shouldn't be. Uh, I'm willing well, to Malcolm, bet. Malcolm, you can Congress. find classified. You can find classified documents on the internet, for goodness sake. I mean, wow. Wow. there's stuff out there all over the place. So this is this is all political. Uh, this stuff with Biden, that stuff was out there for years. Uh, and I don't believe for a minute, I was talking to a reporter the other day who's been tracking this, uh, that building that Biden was at, the Penn Biden Center, there's no way that stuff st was stuck in a closet for three years. No way. Absolutely no way. And this stuff in the garage, Hunter Biden had access to it. Uh, Malcolm, let me go on the record here and say, I, I forecast you're going to come to find those documents were removed from from, uh, from spaces that were authorized to hold classified information to the Biden family uh, locations for Hunter and Jim to use, Jim Biden, his brother, to use for competitive benefit in their business dealings. That's what we're going to come to find out. And that's why they're working so hard to maintain a firewall between the Hunter Biden investigation, which are ongoing, and the yeah. Biden classified document investigation. But I'm telling you, they're going to come together. And that's what we're going to come to follow. Yeah, I, I heard reports of that as well. So I, I don't uh, yeah. doubt uh, what you're saying at all. Um, uh, you know, I mean, we can pretty well confirm at this point, I think you might agree that with all this has happened now and with Pence coming out and everybody talking about it, nobody is going to, there's going to be no repercussions for this now because it's both sides of the aisle. It's everywhere. So, I mean, this used to be a, a big offense. This, this was a don't pass, go, don't collect $200 sort of thing. But that's not the case now, is it? Well, yeah, they're trying to make it like that. But I think we need to make the point that uh, those classified documents in the, in the possession of Joe Biden, some of which I've told are highly classified, top secret, produced by the National Security Council, uh, cannot be just, oh, an accident. It, they, they, these things don't walk out on their own, Malcolm. And to that point, these things were taken for purposes of benefit. As far as I'm concerned, uh, he should be prosecuted, as well as Hunter, under USC code for espionage. Uh, th these things were taken out and used to benefit a family and also benefit our enemies. Therefore, there's no quarter. There's no room for, oh, Mike Pence did it too. Doesn't matter. Prosecute him if you have to as well. But this this cannot stand. All right, let's talk a little bit about this uh, other big story, the debt ceiling. Uh, so sure. just here yesterday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen uh, says, well, I mean, she says she's nervous. OK, really? I think a lot of Americans are ner nervous, period, about the debt and the reckless spending of the country. But that's another point, isn't it? So she yeah. says she's nervous about the U.S. defaulting on its debt and caution Americans will face a scary and spiraling recession. Now, here's the thing. 
She's drawing a very bleak picture of what's happening here with this debt ceiling if Republicans and Democrats don't come together. McCarthy, of course, is going to have probably a uh, very more than a challenge in time trying to bring this group together to say, okay, let's just keep adding more on there. My sense is they're getting ready. They're setting this up to blame this incoming recession that clearly economists are saying will happen here this year in a serious way. I think they're getting ready to set this up and pin this on the Republicans if they don't succumb right now to this debt ceiling. And I see some of the things that are being said. Is that an accurate statement or or do you have a different? It's an accurate statement, but it's completely false. It's a false statement. So uh, 90% of all of the inflation we're experiencing right now, Malcolm, is created by printing money. Uh, The Federal Reserve has created the situation. The reason that we have inflation is because uh, Biden and even Trump flooded the market, flooded the United States uh, with uh, money. They, they printed money. When you print money, you devalue the value of currency. And, and that's why normally real estate, uh, real goods go up in value. That's why we're seeing inflation. So you have to have more money, Malcolm, to buy goods and services because the money is not worth as much. And those goods and services cost about the same. That's why you have inflation. And right now, inflation is more out of control because of the energy issues the Biden administration has done by curtailing the market, allowing the free flow of energy. And therefore, when you when you increase the cost of energy, you increase the cost of goods and services. So that's why everything is more expensive. This is all done by the Biden administration with full knowledge that their policies are at the heart of it. So, yes, uh, they're going to try to use the Republicans as an excuse. No, it's not the Republicans fault. And frankly, the debt ceiling is another way of trying to to justify printing more money indefinitely so that those in power can use that authority to benefit the political party in place, which is the Democrats, and do nothing to help the American people. That's what's really going on. Yeah, perfectly said. Uh, Can't top that, brother. Perfectly said. Uh, That gives everybody a sense now of this uh, debt ceiling. And that's going to be interesting uh, to see how it plays out, though, Tony. Do you, do you think McCarthy, do you, first of all, do you think he's successful at bringing uh, th- that 20 or so aboard here, or is this going to be a battle royal? Well, we're going to find out. I'm going to be doing some interviews with some of those folks, and um, uh, I think the answer is, yeah. I think the, the 20 who held out were able to leverage and get some uh, some concessions, which will help the American people. Uh, plus, it's kind of ironic that uh, Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman, is all upset because they threatened uh, the progressive caucus threatened to do it. They didn't do it. And then they, they, when they, they caved, they lost their seats on all the committees back under the uh, Democratic controlled Congress. And in this case, no, the Republicans stood up and said, no, we're, we need these concessions. We're not going to cave in. They got him. And I think McCarthy is I think McCarthy's actually going to benefit from the fact he caved on some of these things. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of a grade so far do you give McCarthy, by the way? Uh, I've not enough time to really give him. I, I like what he says, but the, you know they've passed a couple things. They passed, uh, for example, this requirement that uh, that uh, Biden or any president can't sell, money, you know, our petroleum to adversaries. That's a good law, just saying. And uh, something that like that needs to be done. They've got to deal with the ATF on this stupid race issue. They've got to deal with the EPA. They've got to deal with the IRS. There's a number of things they've really got to get to. And most importantly, in many ways, is the Hunter Biden. Joe Biden corruption, which I think that's why you've got fentanyl problem, Malcolm. Uh, oh, you have yeah. fentanyl coming through the southwest border because they've left the border open and the Chinese want them to leave the border open for fentanyl to come in. Yeah. Just saying. 
Yeah, yeah. We reported on it heavy last week. We'll, we'll fact right after this, we'll have Tom Homan on uh, from the. Uh, yeah, you know, Tom's he, a great guy. Yeah, yeah, he'll be he'll be on just after you here. Moments here. All right, so let's let's transition overseas and talk a little bit about Russia. Now, this this kind of you know, listen, February twenty fourth is going to be the one year anniversary. You know, I got to tell you, Tony, in full confession, it seems like we've been fighting this. Well, we, I mean, well, I guess we are with our money and what have you. But Russia, Ukraine seems like this war's been going on for twenty years. You know, it's only been a year. <laughs> Well, it's been going on since 2014, since the color revolution and Victoria Nuland and the Biden administration, I mean, the Obama administration decided they were going to try to move the uh, Ukrainian nation from the orbit of the Soviet, the old Soviet empire, the Russians into the EU. That's what really created this. And then obviously the, the finding of uh, gas, the natural gas, uh, mm -hmm. uh, gas reserves in, in the Donbass and the Black Sea, that was the the motivator for Putin to do something. He doesn't want a net competitor coming up in the form of Ukraine to compete with Russian oil. So that's what happened. But the actual hot conflict has really been enhanced over the past year. And yeah, as many of us said, Biden did all the wrong things to deter it. Basically, uh, the things he did right after it started, he should have done a, a full six months to a year before to threaten Putin. And that's what he's been doing. He's always one step behind and I'm beginning to think that uh, that's what they want. They want it to be one step behind to, to at least have the appearance of trying to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. So right now the reports are that Russia is planning a, uh, a maximum campaign at the anniversary uh, is what uh, everything I'm seeing right now to in their right. attempts to turn the tide. At the same time, you've got the United States and Europe doing these tanks now, the the uh, Abrams uh, M1 tanks. Uh, that that's been, as you know, a big story over the past few weeks. Uh, and it looks like that's going to be green lighted. You know, that kind of surprised right. me, actually, Tony, because early on, everything was very careful about not getting involved and keeping NATO out of this. Let me just right. ask you straight out. Are they getting I'm just getting a sense. Are they getting a little lax now with that theory and getting a little more, you know, with this whole tank thing now? And of course, Putin warned back to be careful what you're doing. It, uh, are we uh, we wouldn't have they wouldn't have done this a year ago, is my guess. I well, no, Biden even said he wouldn't do it a year right. ago. That's, That's what right. I'm saying. It's like he was on record saying he would never send tanks and we're sending tanks. Right. Let me be, be very clear for the audience. Joe Biden cannot be trusted to tell the truth ever. Mm -hmm. uh, again, this is a perfect example of that. And what we're what where we're at right now is LBJ 1964-65 Vietnam. Uh, that's what you're doing. That's what's going on here. This is a political war. Our involvement is political. Otherwise, you would take it to the U.S. Congress. Congress is the only uh, body within our, the federal government that, you know, in our Constitution can declare war. Last time I checked, Malcolm, no declaration of war has been signed, yet we're somehow in a proxy war with Russia. This is something that needs to be debated in front of the American people, the, they, and the vote may be to support it, but that, that, that debate has not happened. And yes, we're right now in this incrementalism, which will, I'm telling you, get us involved just like we got involved in Vietnam. And the end result is going to be very similar to Vietnam because we don't have an objective set of strategies that will help us achieve uh, a, a good outcome for the Ukrainians or us. To that point, 31 tanks couldn't defend Toledo, Ohio, let alone mm. a country the size of Ukraine faced with three Russian armies. It's completely insane. They're sending 88 uh, Leopard 2s from Germany. Again, same thing. That's like a, a half a brigade. Half a brigade ain't going to stand up against three Russian armies. And they've underreported the Ukrainian casualties. Uh, Mark Milley said this, not me. And you can't win a war without uh, 
boots on the ground that can actually occupy the land you take back if you use armor. So I'm just saying I'm not pro-Russian, but I'm 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 anti-defeat. And right now, to to quote Sun Tzu, uh, tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. A lot should shake loose then in the next few months if they increase that campaign and all this happens. We could be coming to a tipping point in the war. You think? I do. I do. Yeah. Well, okay. and it's not going to be a good one. Just saying. Right, right, <laughs> it's going to be right. a point, but it ain't right. going to be the one they think's coming. So. Right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let me now uh, let folks know. Uh, first of all, let me qualify and tell the folks. The, the, I had to get. I really wanted to get Tony on this weekend because uh, we have a big announcement to make right now, and uh, really excited about this. And uh, and and to be careful as you're hearing Tony's voice. He's in travels today, uh, so that's the. But I, we still so got to get you on because we are really excited to be launching a brand new show next weekend on America Out Loud Talk Radio, The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer, and it'll be on 11 a.m. Eastern Time Saturday and Sunday, right after Viewpoint this Sunday. Talk about a couple of incredible hours of broadcast, and so that launches next weekend. And uh, Tony, take a moment and tell us about. Uh, the program, what you uh, give us a little bit of insight, what you plan to do with it. Sure. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, well, just so your audience know, you've been bugging me about this for like two years. So just <laughs> saying. So the bugging finally paid off. And I appreciate that, Malcolm, for staying on me. And yes, it's going to be uh, uh, essentially uh, my, me and my team. Uh, uh, Malcolm knows most of them. We're yeah. going to sit down and do a one on one interview with people who are involved in. Uh, and, they, and, and what we see is the most important national security, economic security, uh, uh, the full range of things we talk about here on your on your network yeah. uh, with uh, uh, some some analysis as well. We're not just going to put the per person out there. We're going to do some analysis and talk about this. And it's going to be, uh, I think, a great show. One of my uh, close friends, Cherie Curry, a rock and roll legend, Cherie Curry's donated yeah. a song for the yeah. For this theme music, which is going to rock, and it literally, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's going to yeah. be good. And I think, I think people are going to enjoy the show. It's going to be topical. Yeah. Uh, we want to cover COVID. We want to cover uh, the stuff we just talked about regarding national security. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring some of my friends on, my long-term friends regarding health issues. Uh, so it'll be. It's not always going to be just national security, but we want to get get people on who can talk about what people need to understand to survive in today's challenging environment that's uh, been made challenging because of bad policy. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's perfect, Tony. Just absolutely perfect. Uh, we have talked a bit over the years about uh, doing something, and this was very special. And, you know, the timing on all this is really remarkable. You know, I, I felt a need, Tony, to be able to really jump up our national security and our military expertise on the platform. It's very, very important. And we, when we launched America Out Loud almost seven years ago, it'll be seven years in April, that was a real focus of ours. And it's so good to be getting back to the roots of what we're doing here. Uh, right. And so you add a lot to that, uh, no question. And the other thing, I'll, let me just tell everybody, and I don't—I think you might know as well, we also just launched um, the National Security Hour, which is a Monday through Friday program at 7 p.m. Eastern time. If any of you haven't heard that or been listening, just launched here this past week on Thursday. Uh, and these are the military generals. These are intelligence experts. This is this kind of a program. Uh, General Paul uh, Vallelay and uh, General Tom McInerney actually launched the first show on Thursday, the National Security Hour. So hear that one as well, 7 p.m. Eastern Time during the week. Tony will be here on the weekends, The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right after Viewpoint. Tony, we're going to have some fun, especially with the couple of hours and the things we can do. 
And I could yep. not be more excited, brother, to have you on the journey. Well, thank you, Malcolm. And th thanks for bugging me. So there you go. Thank there you, you for keeping on. This is Tony <laughs> Schaefer. Thank you, Tony. So again, I wanted to get him on, even though he is in travel. So it wasn't the best, best connection that we normally have. But, you know, he was he's on the way to an event, a uh, speaking event uh, this this morning. And uh, uh, but just the same, I thought it was important to have him on here. Uh, so uh, so that's what we did here. Okay, up next here, Tom Homan joins us here in just moments here on the immigration course. Tom is the former director of the U.S. Immigration Customs Enforcement. Uh, got some very interesting things going on in this world. We'll talk about with Tom next here. Uh, so stay right there, friends. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. America out loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, and... Uh, Pretty exciting times here on the network, my friends, as you hear us getting ready to launch this uh, new show with, uh, with Tony Schaefer, excited about that. National security is a big deal here. We've got that other show on the weekdays with our military generals and uh, our top intelligence experts uh, as well. Tune into that at 7 p.m. Eastern time, the National Security Hour. Uh, so a lot happening in this world. and. Uh, Let's get on now. I want to talk a little bit, a couple of different angles here, but we're going to bring on Tom Homan joins us, and he's the former director of U.S. Immigration Customs Enforcement. Uh, and uh, Tom, always a privilege to have you. Thank you for joining us on Viewpoint. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 77 Democrats sent a letter to uh, Joe Biden uh, this week here criticizing his border and immigration policies. Now, when I first read that, in full disclosure with you, Tom, I thought for a moment, oh, my God, they're coming to their senses. This is remarkable. I thought, yeah, I mean, I mean what the hell? I thought it was a, could have had a V8 moment, you know. And then I read into it, of course, and, well, it's because they're not radical enough, basically. So the letter was signed by New Jersey uh, Senators uh, Bob Men Menendez and... Uh, uh, and uh, Cory Booker, 
and uh, and uh, also AOC, by the way, that just tells you right there, and a bunch of others. And the new policies, uh, uh, they, they were talking about they want more legal options for the migrants coming from Haiti, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba, etc. Uh, and they want to eliminate the, their complaints. They, they want to eliminate pathways for these nationalities to claim asylum at the border. They say they're disappointed and they just want to make things easier. What do you make of this letter and this uh, cry out from the, this part of the Democrat Party? Well, first off, I thought Menendez should be in prison. I, I'm surprised he's not. Uh, AOC, she's a moron. So, look, every time AOC opens her mouth about immigration, she's wrong, bottom line. And, uh, look, here's what they don't get. When you reward illegal behavior, it's never going to stop. And here's, here's why I say that. We've had hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens enter this country. And people want to call them asylum seekers, right? Asylum seekers, asylum seekers. Well, technically they are. But here's the truth. Here's what the facts are. 93% of them, based on recent court data, 93% of them will not get relief from U.S. courts because they simply don't qualify for asylum. Hmm. So they ought to call them asylum fraud seekers because most of them are committing fraud. They know they don't qualify. They're coming here for economic reasons. Economic reasons are not a basis for asylum. Asylum is about escaping fear and persecution from your homeland because of, of, of your home uh, from your home government because of race, religion, political affiliation or participation in, in a specific, you know, social group. It's about escaping fear and persecution from your home government. So the, so 93% of these people will lose their case. And here's what's going to happen, because this administration not only opened the border, they stopped in all interior enforcement. So ICE, when they lose their case, after great taxpayer expense, giving them due process, 93% will be ordered removed by a federal court. Wow. However, they won't leave because, number one, ICE isn't looking for them. They're being told by the secretary not to look for them, mm -hmm. even though he said under testimony, those who don't qualify be immediately removed. Well, he lied there again because ICE isn't even looking for them. And they're going to hide out. And they're going to have a couple of USC kids. Then another amnesty will roll around, and they're going to be rewarded. That's why we got to stop. No more amnesty, no more DACA. We have to secure the border. Then you can talk mm -hmm. about immigration reform. Yeah. But until this country stands... And says, no, this country, we're a nation of laws. If you violate law, you're going to be held responsible. Now, I'll tell you this. When they, these people enter the country illegally, it is a crime. Mm -hmm. Number two, when they lie under oath during the asylum hearing, that's a felony. Then they get order removed by a federal judge. And rather than leaving as a court order, they mm -hmm. become a fugitive. These people should not be rewarded with anything. And when we get those letters going to the administration, well, you need to create more pathways. Are you kidding me? Right, the right. pathway they're using right now, this 30,000 pros a month, is illegal. They will lose this in court. I just got done writing an affidavit, expert witness for Texas. It's illegal what they're doing. They know it's illegal, but here's why they're doing it. Because they're going to show, okay, well, the illegal entries are down, only because they're making them legal and coming through port of entry. And when this gets beat in court, and this problem goes away, the illegal alien numbers come up again, and they're going to blame the Republicans. This is all the master plan of not enforcing laws in our country right. and not holding people who violate our laws accountable. Yeah. Well, Tom, if you say 93% with the courts, that's an interesting stat. But listen, uh, they're getting away with it. Obviously, they're circumventing the courts, uh, and it's a one, two, three, four, really a sucker punch to the gut here of Americans. Uh, and yet they are getting away with it. This this whole strategy of, uh, you know, uh, really not holding up our laws, as you say, but then there's 93% with the courts. 
Uh, and somehow this escapes what? I mean, the minds of millions of Americans. I mean, they're they're getting away with it, Tom. I mean, where's well, an end game ahead. for this? I'll tell you one end game. One end game that I really hope happens. Right. If President Trump comes back, I come back, and there there is no free pass. Wow. So people say, "What can you arrest two million people? Probably not." But, but, you know, one at a time, as many as we can find. If, if these folks think they beat the system and now they're home free and they can hide out, it's not going to happen. Because if I come back, we're going to be looking for every one of these people. We're going to arrest them, de detain them, and remove them. And here's why. If, if, if we spend billions of dollars in this due process, right, and we put them in front of a judge at great taxpayer expense, if that court order is not executed and this person is removed, if that court order means nothing, then let's shut down, let's shut down immigration courts, too. What, you know, ICE is the only agency within the federal government, state government, local government that, that, that are told you will not execute a judge's order. Think about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. The Bureau doesn't do it. DEA doesn't do it. ATF doesn't do it. So, no, we're going to hold them accountable. So if the right guy comes back to the White House, we're going to look for these folks. Will we find them all? No. We'll mm -hmm. look for as many as we can because they're going to be held accountable. If we don't hold them accountable, you're never going to fix this issue on the border. Yeah. Now, there was talk early on when the uh, Republicans took the House here about uh, Homeland Security Secretary uh, uh, Alexandra Mayorkas uh, to uh, get him out of there, whatever. They, of course, were pushing him to resign, what have you. But of course, he's not going anywhere. He's uh, pretty steadfast. Um, and uh, he uh, he says the administration is preparing to propose a new federal rulemaking that would allow his department to deny the right to claim asylum at the southern border for migrants who first seek asylum in a country they pass through. It, it, this letter they sent, let me go further, it says here, instead of issuing a new asylum transit ban and expanding Title 42, these lawmakers I mentioned, the 77 Democrats, said in the letter, we encourage your administration to stand by your commitment to restore and protect the rights of asylum seekers and refugees. This was in the letter, uh, you know, pushing for this here. What with Alexandra Mayorkas, I mean, his commitment obviously is the Wild West and open borders here. I mean, they, they're not going to have any luck with getting him out of there very clearly. Encounter, but let's not forget, since Joe Biden's been in the White House, we got 1.2 million gotaways. Right. And we don't know who these people are. But yeah. you know, that, that, that with the minute people who claim asylum should be claiming asylum in the first free country they come to. And that's why the Trump administration had to save third country agreements. If you leave Honduras, if you're only escaping fear and persecution from your home government and you leave Honduras to get to Mexico, have you not escaped that fear and persecution from your home government? Because you're not there anymore. So this isn't about persecution. It's about getting to the United States. So, you know, that that, that should be the way it is. And, uh, you know, and, and these people, you know, what really irritates me, they write these letters, they, 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 they demand all this stuff, and they ignore the data. Why don't they spend, you know, half a day looking at the data from CBP, look at the data from immigration courts, and see that this system is ripe with fraud. Like I said, 93% fraud. And, and take action based on the laws of this country. Here's what's fascinating. They just said here this past week, they put a statement out. The Biden administration is creating safe and orderly pathways for people who want to seek asylum in the United States. And then they go on to say uh, Donald Trump tried to categorically bar asylum in the United States for everyone everywhere. So their mission is to make this accessible, easy and really have a wild west. Of course, we've seen them fly them all over the country. They bust them all over the country. They've done it in the dead of night. They've done it against governor's wishes. Governors have pushed back and sent them back to these other states. It's become a wild west circus, really a laughing stock around the world of what's taking place. I've asked 
Democrats numerous times, explain to me what the downside is on a secure border. Right. What's the downside on less illegal immigration? What's the downside on less women being sexually assaulted by the cartels? What's the downside of less fentanyl coming in and killing Americans? Mm-hmm. What's the downside of securing the border so less no expected terrorists cross that border? Right. And no one can give me a downside. Look, mm-hmm. it's not a coincidence. When they signed the 90 executive orders abolishing everything we did on the Trump administration that gave us the most secure border in my lifetime, they also signed, he also signed an executive order overturning the Trump census rule. So I think a lot of these Democrats see a future political benefit from doing this. Look, they don't have to vote. All they got to do is be counting the next census. A lot of them are going to flee, flee to sanctuary cities. They'll be, they'll be counting the census, which is going to do what? It's going to result in more seats, out, in, seats in the House for the Democrats. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. I think part of it's ideology. I think part of it's ignorance. But let me say this, because every time I hear this, it just angers me. When they say they just... We inherited a dismantled system. We inherited right, a broken right, system. Right. No, what they what they what they were handed is the most secure border in my lifetime. I've done this for thirty five years. The most secure border is handed to them, and people weren't denied asylum. Mm-hmm. If it, all they all we simply said, you can claim asylum, but you're gonna wait in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the law says if they come to the United States and claim asylum, they're supposed to be detained, and they're they're not even doing that. So, again, ignoring the law. If you really are escaping fear and persecution and death from your home government, you shouldn't care about being in a facility for 30 days and waiting to see a judge. Mm-hmm. Remember, under President Obama, when we had a, 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 a surge, something like this, nowhere near this big, what did we do? We detained him long enough to see a judge. Took about 35, 40 days. Nine, over 90% lost. We put him on an airplane and sent him home. Guess what? Yeah. The border numbers went down. What is Mayorkas doing now, who was a deputy secretary back then? He's not detaining them. Most of them are being released without seeing a judge. And that 93% that lose, I can't arrest them. He's doing the complete opposite of what he knows worked in 2014, 2015. So he needs to be impeached. He needs to be held accountable. But this is all about mm-hmm. politics. This is about their ideology. And I truly believe they see a future political benefit either from the census count or from voting. There's well, no other reason. There's let me no go. Reasonable reason. yeah. Well, it's a game of psychology, is what it is. I mean, and you put it out there. I mean, it's an absolute game of psychology. And so they look at the, a success metric for them for the border is to have what you have right now. So all the uh, positive things you just stated a moment ago that Trump had accomplished is what they would call a failed border program. When you want open borders and you want recklessness and you want whatever you want, you know, this goes against that, Tom. So it really is a game of psychology. Now, here's what's interesting. Let me interrupt you. They may think it's a game, but right. it's not a game. That's Since right. Joe Biden's been in the White House, we got 1,700, over 1,700 migrants yeah. have died on U.S. soil. We got a record number of children and women who've been uh, uh, sex trafficking in the United States. We got a quarter million children been released in the United States, and the U.S. government can't find 42% of them. They just found 50 working a midnight shift at a meatpacking plant cleaning up, cleaning up entrails at night. Children that were trafficking in the United States. So, you know, the, the, the number of Americans, over 100,000 Americans died from fentanyl because that border's wide open. Mm-hmm. So to, to those Democrats, I would say this. This isn't a game. This is a matter of life and death. When yeah. President Trump had illegal immigration down 83%, when 83% less people were coming, how many women weren't being raped? How many pounds of fentanyl mm-hmm. didn't make in the country? How many children didn't drown in that river? President Trump's policy saved lives. The, the po- policy of the Biden administration had taken lives at record numbers. 
That's just a stone cold fact. They can they can spin any way they well, want. Well, let's talk about the spin. The problem is a lot of the things you just put out there are real. And I'm thinking to myself, Tom, how do we open up people's eyes? Like, uh, how do, do Americans? A lot of Americans don't know this truth. And here's the problem: it always comes back, and you know darn well what I'm going to say. This comes back to the media spin. And as an example, coming into the program today with you, just as an example here, as bad as things are. And we know they are. And I knew you were going to lay that out because you're you're very, very passionate about this as a career professional. I mean, you've seen what's happened on both sides of this argument. Here's the thing. Give you an example. NPR puts out a title here on the last day or so. L- listen to this. This is going to knock you over here. Migration could prevent a lumen population crisis, but there are catches. Now, that's NPR. Insider says... It's great timing for the U.S.'s first immigration boost in years. Like, this is the positive things, Tom. But experts say Biden needs to reverse more Trump-era policies for the economy to feel the maximum effect. So not only is the media not reporting things, not only are they talking not talking about the pain and the rape and the mayhem and the, and the fentanyl and the opioids and all of this nonsense, but they're actually celebrating this as a huge success. And they're saying, give us more of this shit because you know what? You know, we just need more people and more population and more whatever. Can you believe this? No, it just, you know, it just pisses me off because, you know, where my shoes the last 35 years. Talk to a 10-year-old girl that was raped multiple times by the cartels. Talk talk to a, a medical examiner who examined a 20-month-year-old baby that was part of a smuggler who came across who was sodomized in every little every opening this little girl had by the criminal cartels as payment for getting them smuggled in the United States. Wow. Talk to, to talk to the mothers who, who buried their kids because they thought they were taking, you know, a, a pill to help them sleep or keep them up to taking a test and, and they died because it's laced with fentanyl. You know, they need to wear my, you know, stand in my shoes when I'm in back with a tractor trailer with 19 dead migrants at my feet, including a five-year-old little boy who baked to death in the back of that tractor trailer, steel box, dark, 175 degrees, whose last words to his father was, Dad, Daddy, help me, I'm dying. Daddy, uh, it's the words the ne- five-year-olds can never utter. But wear my shoes for 35 years and play that garbage with me because this is a problem. The truth don't come out. And that's why I'm traveling around the country. And I'm one guy saying, look, shows like yours are meaningful to the American people. Because we got to get the truth out. But most network TV is not going to cover this other than my network, Fox. And and, and we got to count on talk shows and podcasts to get the truth out. Because a lot of American people don't even know there's a crisis on the border. And I wish the other networks would cover it. They cared about life, truly cared about life. And cared about the most vulnerable people in the world, they'd want to they'd want to air what's going on the border. The, you got to understand that people that are dying on the southern border are the most vulnerable people in the world. When you have an administration that says you can enter the country legally, you'll be released. We'll give we'll give you a plane ticket to your final destination at government expense. We'll give you work authorization. When you make them type of promises to the most vulnerable people in the world, they're going to come. They're going to put themselves in the hands of criminal cartels who don't give two cents about them. I, I, I just got from Texas. Criminal cartels, if, if, if a female gets sick, if, if someone twists an ankle, they leave them, and they just keep on going, and this person dies. So, you know, where are my students in 35 years and play that game? But this is, this is truly a tragedy. People are dying. Tom Holman is not anti-immigrant. Tom Holman is not racist. Tom Holman is anti-death, anti-rape anti, you know, uh, uh, drug overdoses. A secure border saves lives. That's bottom line. And so I wish some of these Democrats who write these letters and watch in, in some of these radio shows and TV shows, come talk to me. Ask me what I saw the last 35 years. Mm-hmm. Ask me to go down to the border and talk to the women, men and women of Border Patrol who, who, 
who 14 of them committed suicide in one year because of the terrible things they've seen. Now, I can't say the open border caused these men and women to commit suicide, but this, this historic crisis certainly weighed on them with whatever internal struggles they were having. Uh, Tom, we'll stay on the fight always with you. Thank you for all you do and uh, for, for joining us here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Thank you, brother. And thank you for what you're doing. Keep up the good work. I appreciate you. Thank you, buddy. Well, one thing you can say for sure is Tom Holman is one of the most passionate people when it comes to this subject. I mean, it's his life. It's it's what he stands for. And he's a patriot. He puts it out there. So uh, privileged to get his perspective. Uh, he uh, doesn't hold back, to be sure, friends. But you, you get the sense. And, and the key is, is to inform people. We've got to do a better job of getting this information out there. And immigration is one of the hot topics here on our platform and will continue to be as we continue to shine the light, friends. Uh, now, up next, we've got this horrific situation that has blown up all over the country. Um, Tyra Nichols, uh, this uh, uh, young black man who was uh, killed um, and uh, quite a quite a scene there. We're going to talk to the National Police Association uh, just after this uh, pause here. Now, stay right there, friends. More Viewpoint in just a moment. We are the vision of the voices. You can email us at talk at americaoutloud.com. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvinone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at CofixRx.com. Okay, welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday, friends. A privilege to be with you always here, and uh, thank you for joining us on the mission. Boy, this next uh, piece here, uh, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time. It's like a ticking time bomb when it comes to these incidents. You always know they're coming, and it, you know, it's almost like clockwork, and you can see this latest one in Memphis. Let me bring on here, Sergeant Betsy Smith joins me. She's spokesperson for the National Police Association, and, and uh, Sergeant Betsy, let me just put out there, uh, all right, I see there are two narratives here. Yeah, I just, let me keep this in real simple brass tacks here. I think there are two narratives when it comes to these situations. You can pull one narrative or the other when it comes to the spin on these sort of crises. Now, nothing's perfect. A lot of people do bad things, but you got one argument is black and white. Anytime you can create this dilemma or problem, AKA Rodney King or many others, You've got a black and white situation, which becomes explosive, racial divide, political, all of that. The other narrative, if you can't use that one, is going to be the police are bad. 
And then you get police against the citizens. That's the other narrative that you can pull. Sometimes the third narrative nobody wants to talk about, which are, you know, stupid people do stupid things. Uh, and that comes in all kinds of colors and all kinds of uh, jobs and everything else. That's just me talking. Now you've got a situation now where this is being built into police are bad because that's the narrative they pulled. Now, it looks like this one is pretty egregious in your face. I'm anxious to get your perspective of it. But why would these police officers, whether they're black, white, brown, yellow, purple, orange or turquoise, why in God's green earth would they beat the hell out of a man? What what would what point would what does that accomplish? I, this escapes my thinking. What what is it that took place there that created this beating? Well, Malcolm, so Tyree Nichols, he's a 29-year-old man. He was stopped on January 7th um, by ultimately five Memphis police officers. Oh, it was five, not four. Right. And they it was uh, um, supposedly a, uh, a traffic stop for possible reckless driving. So when you look at the traffic stop, you know, you can see right away that training is an issue. Now that'll come out eventually, but they rush the vehicle, you know, right away procedures are not proper. Um, there were two different confrontations um, after a foot pursuit. And then ultimately you see what we all saw on that poll camera was these officers just beating this young man. And uh, now hold on a moment here, back, back, back yeah. hold on a moment, Betsy, before the, let me understand something, please. Be before the foot pursuit, let me, let me help me here. Did they not have him in custody just before then? Wasn't weren't didn't they have hold of him already before the foot pursuit? Well, it appears that they had hands on, but right. they again, when you look at and and as you know, besides being the spokesman for the National Police Association, I'm a I'm a longtime police trainer, and I was a cop for 29 years. Right. When you look at this, they this this kid, you know, these are five fairly large men. This right. young man, Tyree Nichols, is is a tall guy, but we know now in hindsight that he was very skinny. He has Crohn's disease, so you know he's got he's a bit weakened. But they don't move to handcuff him properly. They Nothing that they're doing is proper procedure. And I want people to understand that because these police officers are being held up as though they're some example of all American exactly. law enforcement. And I know we'll, exactly. we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But no, these are not uh, these are not good examples of police officers. So they they yes, they lose control of him uh, a number of occasions. They pepper spray him. And then apparently they taser him. Let, let me ask you this. I, I, I mean, so what kind of a conversation? I, I'm just real simple question. But what kind of a conversation would we be having now if those five cops were white and not black? Well, what the conversation we'd be having now is is uh, white supremacy or systemic racism or, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, but now we can't have that conversation. And we know, Malcolm, we know the statistics are out there. You can look every year at, um, you know, everything from deadly force confrontation to how many uh, police citizen contacts we have. For example, last year, 52 million police citizen contacts. And we use force in less than 2% of right. those contexts. Right. Use of force 
by police officers on citizens is very rare. When it does happen, it never looks pretty. But this is not use of force, Malcolm, that we're seeing use of force designed to control a resistive suspect. Now, Mr. Nichols was resistive at first, and you you can't gloss over that. Um, He certainly didn't deserve what happened to him, and it appears that his constitutional rights were violated. But this, these officers either were not properly trained mm-hmm. or they chose not to utilize their yeah. proper training. I, I'll be honest, when, you know, that poll camera video looks like thug behavior to me and there's no other way to say it. Yeah, but is yeah. it white supremacy? Is it racism? I, I don't think, obviously. Well, not. it's black on black in this particular case. I can't imagine, but some people will claim that, obviously. They claim everything. Uh, these uh, officers, by the way, are part of a group called Scorpion, uh, Street Crimes Operation Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. And uh, this is a group in Memphis because of the crime there. Memphis is a crime-ridden area. I mean, there's a lot of problems there. And that's what I wondered, if these if these officers were just... Uh, hypersensitive with the crime. I mean, let, let me save you. You talk about following protocol. You know, the first thing I took away from this, uh, Sergeant Betsy, is these were not exemplary police officers, no matter what color they are. They're just not exemplary police officers. And I say that because from the videos and from the, the you know, the, the propaganda we're seeing from all this, you you know, you don't, the, the, the cops, you don't get out of the car and start F-bombing the, 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 the victim, you know, the, the person or whoever it is, the, the perpetrator. You you don't start, you know, F this, F that, F that, get down. I mean, what I'm wondering is, what I'm wondering is, don't these cops understand that they have body cam? Are they that stupid, Betsy? Seriously, that they, they have body cams on them. What, did they think that these were not going to come? I mean, what in God's green earth would these people use that sort of tone, that sort of physical force, that sort of vocabulary, that sort of attitude? Why would they do it? They, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, Malcolm, and that's a great question. This is why what is going to have to happen is we are going to have to look at the culture of this entire agency. So we have got to look at, because again, obviously they all knew they were wearing body camera. They probably knew that there were street cameras as well. So now we've got to start looking at their supervisors and their managers and go all the way up to the chief's office. And we have to examine the entire culture of this organization. What kind of training do they have in this uh, organization? Uh, What kind of hiring practices brought these five men to that organization. One of the things that's been happening in law enforcement over the last few years is that we are lowering standards on police departments because we can't get qualified candidates to come. We also have to look, you know, we've got to admit that one of the big pushes in law enforcement is diversity. So are we hiring people because of their gender or what they look like? Are we, or are we hiring them because they're qualified? These are all going to be uncomfortable questions, but we're going to have to ask. And I would implore the chief. I don't know what her plans are right now, but perhaps instead of talking to a cable news network that almost nobody watches and, and chatting with the lowest rated guy on that network, she needs to come out, come clean, open her, uh, open her training records, open her, uh, hiring records 
and get real with the people of Memphis and the people of Shelby County and the people of this country. Yeah. All right. All right. Two other things here. I want to talk about policing in just a moment. Before I do, I I, I just got to share with you, you know, this was another. Oh, my golly. I mean. I, I just don't even know how to put this into context. So President Biden's statement, I mean, this this is so wrong. He says this, he says, like so many, I was outraged and deeply pained to see the horrific video of the beating that resulted in Nichols' death. It is yet another painful reminder of the profound fear and trauma, the pain and the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. So he immediately put this in the context of black, brown and white, uh, colors, which is what they consistently do. But these were black and brown people who went against the black and brown person, the perpetrator. Uh, this is all within that category. How a political figure, Betsy, could uh, really gain in putting that out there for consumption, I don't really understand what he's trying to prove by that. What what kind of a statement is that coming from a public official and the president nonetheless? President Joe Biden, Malcolm, never misses an opportunity to bash American law enforcement and make the most stupid statement of the day when it comes to a law enforcement issue. His statement was absolutely abhorrent coming out of the White House. And it's just another attempt to disparage the entire profession of law enforcement and try and resurrect that ridiculous George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. This is, He doesn't give a damn about Tyree Nichols. What he cares about is trying to further his political agenda. I don't know if that statement came out of his brain right, right. or whoever's brain is running the White House, but it was just Well, that's ridiculous. a good point. I mean, the people around him, obviously, it's all one of the same. They, the talking points they put forth, you're exactly right. It's, it's a, it's a whole thing coming out of the the Biden group. There, you don't really know ever. Yeah, no, your your point is well taken, and I, I think every person understands your sentiments of this. Uh, it's so egregious, this kind of a thing here. But let's bring it to the bigger point now, here, Betsy, which is. Policing, policing. Now, sadly, when I seen this start to percolate in the last couple of days, and let's keep in mind, uh, Betsy, this happened earlier this year. It happened uh, January 7th, I think it was. It was Mm -hmm. early in the year. Yeah. This didn't happen this past week. We're just now seeing the videos. But this situation had happened prior. Now, obviously, these police men or uh, these police uh, officers are going to I mean, they're they've been fired. Obviously, their life is done. I mean, I assume they'll be up on these are murder charges, I think, of some sort, manslaughter, whatever the hell you want to call it. I mean, I, I would imagine uh, just like the, you know, others that have went down these roads, you know, policing as a whole, sadly, this situation, I, as soon as it happened, I said to myself, well, this is going to be another really black eye in the face of policing, because what they're going to do, the perpetrators, the media, the political operatives, they're going to make this about the narrative. When I started talking here today with you about those scenarios, I was just being real. It's either one, two or three. They're going to pick a narrative. And the narrative right now is that all police are bad. That's a narrative on top of the p- profession trying to get its foot in again to get up over this nonsense. This surely does not help. What are the things the police and industry could do right now? Even your organization, the National Police Association, others, how could they take this and really seriously use this 
as a tool to inform and educate and put some distance between bad police officers that do exist and make bad decisions and the profession as a whole. Well, first of all, what we need to look at is and understand that justice has been swift and the system is working the way that it is supposed to work. Obviously, these videos came to light. Um, those police officers were fired. The uh, Shelby County grand jury decided to indict them, and now they're being prosecuted. That's the how the system is supposed to work, Malcolm. Also, what people need to realize is that when you defund your police department and you vilify them. What is going to suffer? Community policing. What is going to suffer? Training. What is going to suffer? Hiring practices. So this is a cautionary tale for all police departments and the people who support them and also for the people who keep screaming about defund the police that when you attack law enforcement as a whole and when you attack these large agencies all you are doing is endangering the public bringing people like these five men to the profession you can tell that there was an absolute lack of training there has to be a lack of some sort of background check psychological testing or whatever we need to go back to hiring the best candidates that we can spending money training them and making sure that the culture of our organizations is one of selfless service and not one of attacking the public uh, it's, it's funny. Today, we're speaking with three uh, terrific people. Each one of them today on Viewpoint this Sunday are at a speaking event. Now, that just shows you the kind of people we're, we're working with here on the network and the platform. But Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, uh, immigration expert Tom Homan, uh, Sergeant Betsy Smith, every one of them are out there doing justice for our country. And they're all at events and all busy. And so if the audio was questionable any time through the program, you'll understand, friends, what took place and why we have these people that are part of, you know, they're decision makers. They're people that are on the front lines and we appreciate them all. Now, let me also tell you that that new program with Tony Schaefer launches next weekend on America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's going to be really something special. It's called The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer. And it will follow Viewpoint this Sunday, every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. You'll hear that uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, Saturday and Sunday, right after Viewpoint. The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer. Could not be more pleased. And, uh, of course, he was razzing me up front of the program on that. But we've been talking quite a time about this moment. So we're excited to have him. In addition, be sure you're tuning in to the National Security Hour that plays Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern time with military generals and intelligence experts. It's quite the program. And that, of course, is after the Tom Wrench show at 6 p.m. So this is a hell of a lineup change here for the network. Right after Viewpoint here, friends, on America Out Loud Talk Radio, there will be a special broadcast on Sunday. Please listen into this. It's going to be very special. The Life and Legacy of Dr. J. Lear. Sadly, we lost Dr. J. Lear this past week. And it was a profound loss for our nation, for humanity, and for our network. His wife, Janet Lear, and some other very special folks will be on the program. Uh, the Life and Legacy of Dr. J. Lear. Hear that uh, right after Viewpoint on Sunday here this weekend on America Out Loud Talk Radio. We'll also go to podcast 
you can get at the beginning of the week here on America Out Loud Podcast Network. Friends, that's all the time we have here for. Thank you for being with me on the mission. Always a privilege to be with you. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.